different three dimensions got me bending, got me twisting. I know what I said a lot, but I should probably stop pretending. I don't really hold the key and I can't really push a button. I just step up to the mic and try my very best to bust it, but I ran out of breath. It's tight in my chest. My feet just might fail. I can't stand the pressure. What's going on, racially speaking family? We are back and I'm extra hyped. John Mark, it has been a minute since the two of us have done this together. Am I right? Sure has. It sure has, yeah. Welcome it's back. Good to be back man. on the mic with you. Yeah, dude. How how you been? Uh I've been i I've been good. i in general I've been good. I um today I was listening to uh uh an album called um what is it? The Harder They Fall. Uh okay. you know about that movie? I've heard about it, but not, we not talk much. About it? it sounds familiar. Yeah, I was just listening to the album. It was just encouraging. I love I love cowboys, um, westerns, and this is a black cowboy movie. I'm sure I told you about it. I probably told okay. you about it on this on the show. But uh, you know, I like to go back and listen to albums, and it was just fun to get back into that music. And um, yeah, I think Jay Z had a touch on it, and uh, it was good. It was good. So right wow. now, I'm feeling great. You love cowboys? Yeah. Never knew. I <laughs> do. Yeah. I mean, my first name is Wyatt, right? Wyatt Walker. So like. Western wait, 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 Wyatt. What? Or... <laughs> that, that is your first name? Yeah, that's my first name. So Wyatt, Wyatt Walker. So like Walker, Texas Ranger, and, and Wyatt okay. Earp, you know, so. Oh my uh, goodness. I, I, no connections. I'm not named for any cowboys. It's okay. all family names, but, um, but so yeah, just, I don't know. So you just dropped a very big personal thing. Just You <laughs> slid that in there. Yeah, yeah, just slid it in there. Yeah, so, so good. This morning, I'm doing great. Yeah, this morning. Uh, wow. Uh, uh, life is good. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm good. Well, that was crazy. That reminds me <laughs> if you've watched uh, the show New Girl at the end of the series when you find out that Schmidt's name is, well, I don't want to ruin it for people. Well, whatever. It's his been like name, six years. His name is also Winston. What? That's, that's, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, I ruined I it for I never got that go. far New Girl. <laughs> okay. Well, that's hilarious. Anyway, you'll be surprised, hopefully, if you ever get to it. But yeah. that's all that yeah. just felt to me wow that's awesome <laughs> sounds- our listeners are gonna think we just met each other i mean you, they know that we're newer friends but okay why yeah so that's your first name is yeah yeah why yeah so it's named after my grandfather okay yeah but my parents decided to call me john mark so that's that's why i go by john mark wow why john mark walker that's my name i've never heard of a hyphenated middle name yeah me either <laughs> i'm the only person with it yeah wow that's incredible i'm gonna you have to look up some statistics on how many of those <laughs> on exist. Hy- on hyphenated middle names? Yeah, yeah specifically yeah, middle names. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, man, I'm doing good too. Um, I think probably my highlight since we last talked was, um, or one of my highlights, I've, I've had more than more than one, but uh, Caitlin and I saw um, In the Heights live in person. Wow, um, nice. They randomly swung through Roanoke, Virginia. Um, we were out there with the kids and saw a sign at one of the local theaters. And um, yeah, if you guys don't know what In the Heights is, it's written by Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton. And it was his first show. And it yep. won Best Broadway Show, just like Hamilton did, but way back in the day. And yep. uh, In the Heights, it's about his neighbor that he grew up in in New York City, Washington Heights. And of course, was the big movie this past summer. Or was that two summers ago? Anyway. I think it was just last year, yeah. Right. I mean, and dude, this, this was incredible. I posted a little bit about it on social media and I shared when we went, but you might think, you know, local small town theater, not going to be, you know, up to par. And I was a little bit nervous going into it. So it was Caitlin cause she's the Broadway person out of the two of us. 
Um, right. I'm catching up a little bit, but it was, I mean, in no way did it feel like, oh man, this is disappointing or I can really tell these are second or B actors. Absolutely not. Like it was really moving. It was incredible. They, the acting, the singing, all of that was Good. just, I mean, it, it felt, I would have paid, paid double to go see it. Um, and we really, it was only here for a short time. And so, I mean, if it would have been here for longer, we for sure would have made it back because it was, it was, it was incredible. That's great. From my understanding, the show has more characters and char- and plot than the movie does. Yeah, very, um, it is, it is different. There's some characters that weren't in the movie. Um, and yeah. I think it was different in a good way. I think the movie was great and the show was great for the reasons that they did what they did. Like, I don't think the changes yeah. in the movie were to the show's detriment. I think it just made sense for the movie. Yep. Um, and yeah, you got to cut time for movies, but right. shows. Both you got incredible. the intermission, so you have like two and a half hours with a captive, captivated right. audience. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, just if you don't like live theater, I just encourage you to go. Check, well, you can't check that out right now, um, but if you get a chance, check out live performances. So I'm a huge sports person, but I, I think I'm comfortable saying that I don't know if there's anything more clutch um, than or unbelievable than performances like that yeah especially theater people like doing that every single night having to be on point memorizing everything and just the core i mean the coordination and uh, yeah just the direction of it all is just wow it's it's incredible i'm blown away every time yeah yeah that's um so i want to share now my the recent theater experience yeah um so my wife's cousin shout out to Catherine and avery torres they uh bought us tickets to the Lion King here in Richmond. Wow. Um, and so we got to see that recently. And I, you know, that was really neat too. So yeah. um, I am becoming more of a fan of theater. Uh, yeah. I think as I, as I get older and I guess more cultured, right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's so, a slippery slope. Yeah. Man. I mean, in the Heights, dude, I would love to, I would love to see that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Shout out to our friend, uh, Tabitha. Cause she came on um, around when the movie the movie came out and talked a little yep. bit about that as a New Yorker. Yeah. Cause she's familiar with that culture from that area. Right. 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 Just from real close to that neighborhood that he's yeah. talking about. So she, I mean, she was right there and had yeah. all the insights uh, from a New Yorican um, perspective. Yeah. So I say to anyone who hasn't heard that episode, go listen to it. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, um, like I said, at the beginning of the intro, we got a lot. We, need to catch up on, but don't have time for everything because, man, just stuff happens. Um, so I got kind of like a quasi game for us to play here to, to start off the pod. Okay. Do you want to like do games. like, yeah, do you want to do like a current event summary? And I'm going to, I'll say, I'll bring up a topic. And if you got thoughts, let's, let's give it a few minutes. And if you don't, let's keep it moving. Sounds great. Let's, Sound let's I should come up with a name for it since it's a game. But anyway, yeah. um, since we last did this, the Oscars happened. Oh, man. Nothing big happened that night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except, you know, Will Smith won Best yeah. Actor, yeah, right? That That's happened. all I forgot the that news happened. about Will Smith, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it sounds like we got some thoughts. What uh, you're alluding to, you know, if, if, if you've been living under a rock, the what's, been, the what's been referred to as the slap heard around the world happened. Will Smith yeah. slapping Chris Rock on live television on stage. Um, we've got the luxury of, 
having a lot of time having passed. So our, a thoughts, lot are, of time. our thoughts aren't yeah. necessarily super raw, but yeah. what are some of your quick takes on that incident? Yeah. Quick takes. Uh, there's a lot of shame in a slap and Chris Rock slap mm. or, or Will Smith slapped Chris Rock and Chris Rock took the shame of that slap. Mm. Um, his joke it was, it was, you know, off color at, at uh, Jada's expense. Um, I don't mm. know. It, 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 yeah. So on one hand, it is not a comedy show. And you can expect jokes like that if Jada and Will were to show up at a Chris Rock comedy show. Like they're yeah. going to be made fun of. Uh, it's the Oscars. So that type of banter with the audience maybe shouldn't be in that type of space. All right. But Will Smith also didn't need to get up and assault the man. Yeah. But also, it wasn't a punch. A slap in a lot of uh, past Western cultures was just yeah. like, hey, let's let's uh, have a duel or fight with swords. You know what I mean? So it's like it was less than yeah. a punch, but not nothing. Um, so it's it's complicated. I when I saw that news happen that morning, the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, Kanye West song Family Business, where he just talks about like, yeah. you know, a cookout, a family cookout and. Um, and the things that go on there. And that's what I thought, like black Hollywood elite, it's a small club. They're both in it. Uh, Will and Chris and, um, that type of thing should have been handled just in their community, yeah. uh, without eyes on it. Um, because when you're, when you're black in America, um, in any profession, you're under, under a microscope, right? And so whatever you do because of racism, uh, whatever you do, you represent the culture to, the broader world, right? And so seeing yeah. him get up on stage and um, slap Chris Rock, I mean, immediately, I'm sure everybody black was like, oh no, like our reputation, uh -huh. because we do, we realize that reality, we share that reputation. And it's not fair, it's not a good reality, it's but not. it is. And so so that was kind of um, a bummer to see Will Smith go out that way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, other than the obvious that it was supposed to be Will Smith's night, like, I think yeah. everyone knew he was going to win. Um, and it was just, it was his time. And it's just, I think it's sad for him and for entertainment, for the Serena, I mean, the Serena sisters, the Williams sisters, um, and everyone that made that movie, King Richard, because this, you know, no, just no one's going to remember that in the grand scheme of things, because that night is now marked by that slap. And yeah. he, you know, he put out an apology. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Um, which I thought was as good as it could be. Um, and he's, I think, was he banned from the Academy for 10 years? He's had a lot of ramifications. He, yeah, that's a, well, he's that's banned a heavy he, he also resigned, I think. So I, I yeah. can't remember. So either way, he's removed from the Academy for a long time. So there's been ramifications and consequences to that. Yeah. I think I won't add really anything to what you said, other than it's maybe a little bit of a question, something you touched on. The only thing, and I won't speak for the black community, obviously, I, do, I did not, um, and I could kind of see this coming when I saw the slap, but I don't like the slew of tweets and um, posts um, by both the black, some people in the black community, prominent people, and obviously I don't like it when it's from white people, but people putting out the sentiment of we need to do better because of the reputation you just mentioned, mm -hmm. um, because now, oh great, now this reputation that black people have, whether it's, I don't know, being irresponsible, being violent, not being able to be controlled, something like that, or, or 
not yeah. giving platforms. Like, of course, look, this is what happens. And I saw so many tweets or whatever posts about that. Even people from inside the black community saying like, we got to do better to prove that our people that think these things about us wrong. Yeah. I see. So I, I think I would agree with you. Like, I wish I could have heard what Denzel and Tyler Perry were talking to him about I know. Um, in the yeah. co- in commercial break. Um, Cause I think it's just like, that's a thing that man needed to be needed to happen behind closed doors between mm-hmm. like Will Smith. They should have gone backstage and talked it out. Him and Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. I know that might sound idealistic, but ideally I think something more like that should have happened. Um, yeah. With a, you know, a Denzel and Tyler Perry um, facilitating the conversation or something or mediating. But yeah, I, I don't like that sentiment of, we we need to do better so that people don't think we're all these things. Because to me, I don't think it's black people's problem or people of color's problem for having to deal with stereotypes. Like, it's not, and tell me if you disagree or not, but I don't think it's your problem, John Mark, as a black man to worry about, or to have to worry about people's reaction to that if that makes sense like if something mm-hmm. like that's going to happen it's not your responsibility to deal with racist thinking yeah i know you yeah. have to at the same time for different reasons yeah. but i don't think it's your problem that somebody can see that and be like oh look that's that's what black people do yeah to me that's their yeah. problem yeah i agree with you it is not just it's not right that um that Black people or other uh, ethnic minority groups have to deal with um, putting on this front where we all, we represent our whole communities, our whole yeah. ethnicity, our whole race, um, and how we act. We like that's a burden that we have to carry that majority culture white people don't have to necessarily carry. So um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily fair, right? But I think it's a reality, right? right. So I think some of those calls from um, from Black people for Will Smith to behave better on a national yeah, stage behave better. Yeah. Comes, comes from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a reality. I don't think it's right. You know, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, mm-hmm. but I think it is what it is. It, I think it's part of the talk that, um, people of children who are black and Brown have right. to have is like, uh, right. when you go out there, you represent a whole culture, a whole people. It's wrong that people will, will think of you in that way or, I mean, maybe not wrong, but it is what it is, you know? So, um, and I think that reality is going to stay, uh, for a long time. So, right. um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know the right word for it. it it's, it's awkward. It's, uh, it's a burden. It's heavy, um, I also but think, it is, it is a reality. Yeah. Right. I also think it implies that because of that, um, irresponsible type of behavior that that, I think it implies that that is why something like discrimination or racism exists. Mm. Like that, oh, because they can't um, conduct their se- themselves better, that's why they're not given all mm. these things. Mm. I just want to mm-hmm. say this, like that is absolutely not true. Like racism, true. discrimination yeah. have nothing to do with how black and brown people have behaved. Yes, like, amen. It yes. came completely based on things like skin color. Yeah. 
And Say it again. Yeah. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Why these things exist in the first place. So yeah. That that's a little bit of my hot takes about some of the pushback on on that. With that said, I mean, do I think what Will Smith did was absolutely wrong and not good? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think he agrees with with that take that that was that was not do i good. think 10 years is a little too long yeah i think 10 years is a little too long but yeah, i don't know it, what are you gonna do yeah yeah did, so did you know this interesting fact uh the nanny named fran is the president of of the academy so she's the one who you know signed off on that 10-year ban oh, wow. so so the nanny named fran banned uh the fresh prince of bel-air for 10 years from the academy <laughs> like it would have that, thought back in the 90s that, yeah. that that would happen today so yeah wow. little pop culture fact yeah wow i did not know that yeah interesting 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 mm. all right next thing um completely not maybe not completely uh in a different realm but um Kintanji brown jackson got any thoughts on her she was first um since we last talked First, um, black Supreme Court justice confirmed um, to the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. First black woman. First black, first black woman. Black yes. Woman, yeah. Right? First yeah. black woman. Um, yeah. So, I I don't I don't have many thoughts on mm. that. Um, it's a great first. You know, she's right. she's highly qualified. Uh, I I know um, I know there are people out there who disagree with her politically from the you know the community that I come from. Um, but I can celebrate that she's a, a black woman who has a great career. Um, there are pictures of her daughter being proud of her. I thought that was yeah. a beautiful moment. Yeah. Um, some of the line of questioning was, uh, it was, it was weird. It was, uh, there was, there was some. To put it delicately. Yeah. To put it delicately. It was weird. I don't, how do I say this? It was, it was they lacked respect for her, yes. and some of it is probably tied to the fact that she is a woman and that she is black. Yeah, right. So I saw um, a lot of that. Did you watch any of the hearings? I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. I watched. I wanted to do some, you know, due diligence and watch some of them for myself. I saw a lot of people posting about the, uh, you know, racist and sensitive questioning. So I was like, all right, I, I gotta, I gotta at least see it and make some um, conclusions by myself. And. Yeah, I think what stood out for me was the tone. You said mm. lacking respect. Yeah, absolutely lacking respect. And I, what I did is I watched those hearings, many of them, and um, then went back and watched ones that, they, that those same people, um, senators, would refer to in comparison. And some of them were the uh, Brett Kavanaugh hearings and then the mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett hearings Mm -hmm. and kind of just comparing this. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and listen to some of the same senators questioning those Supreme court justices and kind of compare what I, what I think about them. And, you know, I encourage everyone listening. If you want to form an opinion, go back and do that yourself. Don't take our word for it. But my take is just picking up on what you see. Yeah. Just picking up on what you said, the lacking respect was like night and day different. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and I, went into it knowing that like, okay, this is, you know, these are um, bipartisan things. Like people are going to support their, their party. And so that explains some of the questioning um, or even a lot of it. So that's why I really camped out with thinking about tone and watching them. It's just, that's just what 
could not not stand out to me watching like Senator who's black and democratic Cory Booker, um, you know, his, 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 um, encouragement to, um, Kentaji Brown Jackson was the one that got passed around because, you know, him just encouraging her as a, as a black man. Um, but then I, what stood out to me is watching his questioning of Amy Coney Barrett, who he doesn't, who disagrees, who he disagrees with a lot, but how polite he was in his questioning, um, of her, even when mm. she would give much pushback, not wanting to answer questions, just mm. incredibly polite, um, and just had a much respect even through disagreement as he spoke with her. Um, and I'd say the same for a number of others, but the egregious mm-hmm. lack of respect that I saw was from yeah. South Carolina Senator um, Lindsey Graham, and then yeah, he was rude. Yeah, and then Ted Cruz. To me, the rude. Yeah, those two specifically yeah. were just egregiously um, inexcusable. And yes, I agree yeah. that there's got to be. You can't put your finger on all of it other than the tone sometimes. And I'll, I, that just really stood out to me. Yeah, I've never lived in this world as a black woman, so I don't know that experience. Mm-hmm. But I do have sisters. Um, and, and I know that just from conversations with them, yeah. I don't want to speak for them, but, but I have a sense and I've heard that um, the relationship between black women and white men in significant power positions, authority positions. Um, If you're a strong black woman who's educated, who's smart, who's accomplished, uh, white men often don't know how to handle that. And I'm making generalizations, right? Um, But white men in power don't, don't face that. It's, it's uh, mind blowing. It's category bending. They don't know how to interact with somebody like that. And so um, I think it really, it, it surfaces some uh, stereotypes, some negative stereotypes they have yeah. in their minds of black women and just a lack of experience of relating to black women. And I'm sure some of it comes from that. So, um, yeah. So I, I think that is some of what we saw is like, they don't know how to respect black and they don't know how to respect women. Right. And so that, 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 uh, the, the combination of those two, kind of brought them outside of themselves, kind of broke their minds. So, right. so I think that's some of what we saw. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go a uh, couple more. Uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. I don't <laughs> have much to say about that right now. Yeah, me either. It's just, it's, I just laugh. I mean, I laugh. Right. I saw uh, people on black Twitter uh, trying to leave Twitter. They're like, we're leaving Twitter now. Right. Uh-huh. I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about Elon. It's, it goes from, one group of wealthy white people owning it to one right. man. <laughs> I'm like, I guess it's maybe, a, maybe a bigger deal because he's, I guess, is he actually the richest man in the world? At least close to uh, it? He might be. I'm okay. not sure. Somebody from UAE might actually be, but. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've seen stuff that he's tied to apartheid and is, has ra- a lot of racial racist ties. Um, yeah. I mean, but I don't, I don't you have, have all that money. Opinion. How can you not, especially if you're sure. doing business in America. Right. So not sure. to say that that's not an excuse for him. I, like, I'm just saying, I'm sure he, I'm sure that's true about his business. Right. Things, but so yeah, that I mean, maybe we'll talk about it when more comes out later, but yeah, I know he's yeah. saying that he's doing it for the sake of freedom of speech, which I, we'll have to unpack that if more comes out, but yeah. I don't have much more to add about that. Yeah. I mean, I'll still be on Twitter, you know, follow that Walker, John Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, you'll probably still be on Twitter, right? You're not planning to leave it. 
Yeah, I mean, not that that would matter whatsoever because I <laughs> am almost never on there. But yeah, yeah, yeah follow John yeah, Mark. So. Don't, don't follow me on there because yeah. <laughs> won't yeah. won't be any kind of big deal or anything. All right. Um, before we move on, John Mark, you had um one other current event that we haven't touched on that is huge, and we haven't been able to touch on that here on the pod yet, and that's um the war in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, and and particularly the experience of um, international students. Um, mm. black international students, so African international students. And yeah. uh, they had some trouble leaving the country uh, early on. And um, there's an article that I want to plug on Christianity Today by Rayshon Graves. Uh, and it's, it's titled, Who is My Neighbor? An Honest Look at the mm. Racism Inside the Ukraine Crisis. Um, and I think it's an under underreported story, or at least it was at the time of this article being written about a month ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it, there was some discrimination for um, for international students in Ukraine. Um, Specifically, I think it's the worth black looking students. at. Yeah, particularly bad black students. Yeah. Yeah, I saw. I mean, I saw a lot shared along those lines. But did you? Yeah. To me, what's the, I don't have a ton of um, opinion about it. I mean, it's not good, but to me, that's just a great, great example of how two things can be true at the same time. Like Ukraine's going through a war and is absolutely the victim and is being attacked. But then also we're seeing literal, you know, racism coming out of that very that very country as black students are trying to flee for safety and are being discriminated against. Yeah. Um in in Ukraine where they're absolutely collective absolutely collectively the victim. Um yeah. So that, yeah, that stood out to me as how just two things can and are true often in these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. I think it's a part of humanity too, right? It's like, it's easy to care when things are going well, yeah. but, but you know, when stuff goes sideways and you got to look out for your family, your who you see as your own starts to really narrow. So while Ukrainians yeah. were helping other Ukrainians, yeah. uh, when it comes to an African, uh, an international African student, um, Sometimes the help was gone or being able to cross mm -hmm. borders. Like I think they were trying to cross the border. I'm going to get it wrong. Um, wherever they were trying to cross, they weren't allowed to, there wasn't help for them. Yeah. Um, sometimes because they didn't have the papers that they needed, yeah. but uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a really sad situation. A really um, plain look at, I think human nature that we, when it comes down to it, sometimes our yeah. self-sacrificing nature goes out the window and we are just, broken people who are a little more selfish than we would like to admit. Um, but then I also think uh, some of that prejudice is one of, uh, I would say it's, it's an American export, right? So um, traveling while black across the world, uh, yeah. you, face a, you face a lot of awkward, either fetishization or racism, discrimination. It's just something you always have to be aware of um, because, because so much of it comes from, if you're a black American, it comes from back home and you, and you kind of face that where you travel. So being African also goes along yeah. with that. Like um, how much did Ukraine see how the U S treats black people and import some of those thoughts, you know, through media, through culture, yeah. through, through things like that. So uh, mm. it's heartbreaking, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I plug this article. Who's my neighbor um, yeah, we'll put that on the Christianity show notes. today. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was also uh 
a podcast episode on it on the daily. So you can look into that too. Okay. Um, I don't have exact information on that, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing else to add to that. Appreciate that. Let's take a quick break yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll move this along. Sounds good. This podcast was created to elevate BIPOC voices and our allies and to invite everyone else to listen in, learn, and grow with us. If you have benefited from listening to any of our conversations and haven't already, please make sure to hit subscribe in whatever app you're listening on right now. Now, back to the conversation. All right, John Mark, for uh, these next two bigger topics on this episode we have, we're, we're going to take everyone to church for a little bit. <laughs> Sound good? It sounds great. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. So uh, just recently, and I posted about this a little bit on social media, uh, I sat down and watched the Hillsong documentary, Hillsong, A Mega Church Exposed, I think is the full name. Um, it's on Discovery Plus. You can get it through Amazon, do a free seven-day trial. That's not a plug or anything for Amazon. That's just how you got to, you got to get it. I know most people don't have discovery. Um, yeah. You probably haven't used your trial yet. Right. So, so, so that's, get that free trial. right. So that's, that's where it is. Um, and man, it, I got a lot of thoughts on it and racially speaking, um, there's not a ton, ton to say about it, but I do think there is some overlaps. And I know that many people on here, um, or many people listening share our Christian faith and I think it just, there's a lot of overlap culturally that is worth talking about it. Some of it, I think, is tied to race, but much of it, I think, is just important to to discuss. So, I don't know, have you, have you watched it at all, John Mark? I did, yeah. I watched, I watched all three episodes. And um, the way that the story is told, it, it, it's very heavy. It's yeah. very heavy content. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and you have um, more of a personal connection with... Uh, with uh, with Hillsong, right? I, I do. Not necessarily with Hillsong. And I in no way want to, I want to preface this by saying, I don't want to make this in any way about me, but I did have some weird personal ties to it, which I already knew going into it, I, I might. But um, as I was watching, um, there's a segment on a church called, a church in Virginia Beach. I think it's okay to name names right now, but um, yeah, I'm sure it is. the Wave Church in Virginia Beach with my 757 people know, know about that church. And um, I grew up with some prominent people that have a lot to do with that church um, beyond just membership Um, and trying to think of how to, how to go about this first part, but um, attending that church um, a couple of times, being in some small group Bible studies several times um, with, with people at that church and even for a short stint um, through that church. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, but, and I was much younger as I was watching the documentary, um, and all of this wasn't completely new to myself, but it was putting some stuff together. I felt like it, some of my experiences made sense and it mm-hmm. was along the lines of what's in the documentary of this kind of elitism, um, uh, materialistic culture, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that was very, corporately 
the church will be advertised as come as you are type mentality. Everyone's welcome, just like every church essentially says. Essentially, yeah. And then, but I felt like once I was around those people, and I'm not saying there wasn't exceptions, but the culture overall with those people, I very much was aware of like, man, I, unless I do this, this, and this, or have these things, I am only going to be able to be accepted so much. Mm. Um, And more importantly, which is what a lot of the documentary was about, there was just so much praise towards the higher up people, like Mm. way more beyond my comfort level. I'm I'm not anti look up to your pastor and be mentored and want to be like them in some way, in a healthy way, but there was too much and I couldn't put my finger on it. Too much stock put into higher up pastors. In this case, you know, half of the documentary is about um, Carl Lentz, the New York City Hillsong pastor that stepped down or was fired and is kind of known as the big celebrity pastor. Um, right. He's from he's from Virginia Beach and got started right. at he the spent Wave. Time at Wave, yeah, right at yeah. the Wave Church. That's where he got started, and you know, he's a, he's about our age, I think, a little bit older, but um, was the guy that the people who I was around at that time were just obsessed with, and were talking about all the time. Right, right. And I never personally met him, and I didn't realize that he was the same. Um, Carl that was always mentioned because they didn't say, you know, Carl Lentz. They would just say, Carl, Carl. does this, Carl this, Carl that, Carl this. Um, Carl told wow. me this. Carl preached about this Sunday. Carl did this. And I was like, man, who's this, this guy? This guy uh, seems great, I guess. And they talk about him a lot, but I couldn't yeah. exactly put my finger on it. And I had no idea it was the same one until watching the documentary um, that ended up going to uh, Hillsong, New York City and, and whatnot. But, um, those kinds of things that that stuck out to me, and this isn't not even just about Hillsong, but thinking about the things they broke down in the documentary culturally, yeah, um, were just very sobering to think about. And yeah, you know, vocationally, John Mark, you and I are in not Hillsong, but in in this <laughs> space, the you know Christian evangelical yeah. world, and so it was very like I paused a lot. Me and Caitlin watched it together, of like, oh my gosh, like. I so do not want to be, you know, I almost came a little, not paranoid, but I'm like, man, I I don't want people to be turned off from church or Christianity because of myself either. Not that I'm right, anywhere of right. that kind of platform, but, um, you know, I lead stuff like like Bible studies and stuff like that. Um, right. So just it, the thoughts that I had about the overall culture, um, we're, we're heavy personally. Yeah, that makes sense. And just the, um, I think the celebritization of pastors mm-hmm. is a cultural thing. And, and I think al- along what you were saying, like you were talking about, you know, we're racially speaking, but culture is very connected and culture is yeah. something that we want to talk about on this, on this podcast. Yeah. And I think that there are just some cultural trends within um, the broader majority culture, evangelical world um, that were exposed in this, in this documentary. And one of those is, um, when you, when you put too much weight on one guy and the celebrity of one, one preacher, um, it can have some real damaging effects to, uh, the community that's supposed to be following Christ. 
um, but ends up following this personality, right? Right. Um, and I think we saw some of that with with Carl Lentz. Like he himself was puffed up with pride in who he thought he was and hanging out with all these celebrities. Um, but then the people also were um, all about praising the celebrities that he brought in and kind yeah. of making a separate spot to take only celebrities to, uh, which um, if you read the book of James talks, there's a Bible verse that talks exactly about not uh, privileging people in certain positions when they come yeah. into the church, but that is what they did. So, um, yeah. Which, so I think it's good of you to touch on the, on the broader aspects. Right. Yeah. And watching it, you know, I don't, the people that they interviewed, I don't know where they're at necessarily, if they would now say they are practicing Christians. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff I would take with a grain of salt, um, overall, mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good, honest documentary for the most part. There were a couple things that, because I wanted to be objective, you know, it's a documentary, so I wanted to be as objective as right, I could. It's a documentary, so yeah. a few, a few of the things they did say, which I was like, well, that, you know, that is probably not good, but it might not be the worst thing necessarily because I wasn't there. But so, like, even there's a part in the documentary which you just mentioned, but for our listeners, where people shared that when celebrities started coming, and it's New York City, um, mm-hmm. they would give them special places to sit. Yes, if they're like, you know, given, you know, a throne or something like on stage to be worshipped or something. Yeah, bad, not good. But I I don't know if I think it's innately bad that they were giving like a, given like a reserved seat when they're in New York City right. because, you know, for even security reasons. Um, yep, security, yep. I don't necessarily think that was the worst thing. Again, I wasn't there, so right. stuff like that that I was like, okay, that probably wasn't good based on what this has been about so far, but I'm not going to... Yep jump on that and run with it necessarily. And right. Then, it all depends on where and how it's done. Right. Yeah. And then a couple, somebody shared one of the interviews said, you know, I knew it was a bad idea when Hillsong planted a church in New York city. Cause there's most of the people aren't Christian. So why would you plant a church there? And, you know, from a Christian <laughs> perspective, I'm like, well, because they want to make more, you know, spread the gospel and make more Christians. But I, so I, from that perspective, I was like, well, that's not necessarily, that's what yeah. missionaries do. <laughs> No matter how big they are, we don't just trade. We don't just trade Christians around, right? Which <laughs> yeah, some do for not, sure, but I can't. Right. I can't hate on them for doing that necessarily. If it yeah, was, yeah. if what they're saying overall was accurate, which it seems like it maybe was, like they were very. Some of the interview interviewees were very turned off by how Hillsong has been gone from Australia to global. And again, I don't. Right. If they just want to take over the world, which is what they kept saying throughout the documentary bad like not good but right. just because they have multi-campuses and sites i'm not can't hate on them specifically for that because i don't think that's right. necessarily right. an innately bad thing one one thing i was racially speaking um disappointed by is like with carl lentz so he's you know speaking of the celebrity stuff i think it's interesting because you know now we see how this could kind of have been his downfall, but he said, and I wonder what you think, John Mark. He said, yeah, I do want to reach celebrities because that means we're reaching everybody. Like we like mm. essentially, should we not care about that? So again, I think if it's his priority to only reach celebrities, not good, but yeah. I thought that I didn't think that was necessarily a terrible thing either. And, I, and only because I've read, um, I'm a nerd when it comes to sports too. And I've, re- I've read a lot of memoirs and biographies of like NBA players and athletes. And several of them have talked about um, how they've experienced Christianity through 
like Hillsong or they knew Carl Lentz and they met him playing basketball, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought um, it seemed like a genuinely good thing in a way of like, mm-hmm. oh, it's this is this is cool. He seems like he is somehow able to to relate and live life with these seemingly untouchable people. Right. And what they right. write about in their books seemed real. It didn't seem like they were like yeah. duped or manipulated. It just right. it seemed good. Now yeah. with the documentary looking back, it's like, whoa, whoa, shoot, I don't know. And then again with Carl Lentz is I don't know if you ever saw this, but he was one of the people, Emmanuel Acho, um, mm-hmm. who does the videos on YouTube, um, or at least used to do them, um, uncomfortable conversations with the black man. Yeah. And during twenty twenty in, in lieu of George George Floyd, um, he brought him on and I thought Carl Lentz did a great job speaking about or humbly owning his position and owning the fact that white evangelicalism is a problem and has a mm-hmm. lot, a lot, a lot of work to do with racial mm-hmm. justice. And so I I only thought that was good because I found myself at that time at least feeling like, okay, people can say what they want about a Carl Lentz. Um, you know, I'm not going to start jumping on and, you know, idolizing him by any means, but I found myself wishing why are more pastors that we look up to and follow not doing this, like not speaking up in this same way. And so I found that yeah, I found yeah. kind of, I was struck by that of like, we can like people can hate on these big celebrity pastors all they want, but I'm wondering where the disconnect is. Why are more people not speaking up and advocating like this? So you know, now that he's had his quote unquote downfall, mm-hmm. it does feel a little bit like a, a letdown if we're going to talk about mm-hmm. some of the racial element. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What What are yeah. some of your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I like what you said. An imperfect, God can use an imperfect messenger. Right. And certainly mm-hmm. uh, he was able to be in the community of celebrities in a way that other, other people cannot. And, yeah. uh, and so I mean, we see Justin Bieber's story and the impact he had. Um, yeah, their friendship was a little bit awkward, you know, with the generations between them, the decades. But, right. you know, uh, uh, but it helped Justin Bieber at a time when he needed some help, you know. Um, and and, uh, mm-hmm. and so I think I think God can use imperfect people. And, and certainly Carl Lentz is one. Um, yeah, I also appreciate that he was willing to speak out about racism at a time when other people weren't. Um, yeah, and then this isn't to minimize his uh, his his unfaithfulness to his wife, or even the hypocrisy of, of a uh, pastor cheating on his wife. But it was yeah. um, in this time. I think we kind of can like lump all all sin together, all um, infidelity, all sexual sin together. Um, and this was this was adultery. This wasn't um, abuse, to my knowledge. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like manipulative. And uh, so I think there's something there that he's, he's not the same as some of these other cases like uh, mm-hmm. Robbie Zacharias or uh, I don't know, you name it. There, there are people out there, but um, I don't know. It's not a good thing. I'm not excusing. I don't want to excuse what he did, but I also want him to be set aside as he did this. It was different than some of the other things that we see pastors doing. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, again, 
go watch the documentary for yourself. But a lot of it was about personal stuff like Carl Lentz and stuff. But the, the big thing was culture, which I thought would be worth talking mm-hmm. about a little bit, of how he was the product of the Hillsong culture, mm-hmm. the megachurch culture, um, and a lot of really Christian culture in a lot of ways, but specifically with you know a megachurch, um, which it was called you know, Mega Church Exposed. And then um, I'm thinking about Mark Driscoll and the f- rise and fall of Mars Hill in Mars Seattle, Hill, yeah. um, which is a, yeah. a podcast. Um, I'm halfway through that one. I know a lot of people have listened to that already. Um, very similar, but also very different. Um, mm-hmm. And just what it looks like to hold cult- that culture accountable. Um, and then I, I get... I've had these thoughts recently, even before watching that documentary and listening to the the podcast, the Marcel one, but um, the megachurch culture is, I think can be concerning, but it's also like, I have great friends that are in megachurches and I don't mm-hmm. think, that's the thing, like, I don't think it is in and of itself a bad thing. Like, this kind of stuff can happen in small churches. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which, which is important to know. Um just happens on a smaller scale in a small church. Right. And doesn't have a yeah. documentary, you know, right. written about right. it. But yeah. um, I'm thinking about like the, um, which we've talked about a little bit on this pod or alluded to, but like Maverick City does worship who's very, I think, multicultural. Yeah. Uh, multicultural <laughs> worship, worship band, the worship organization. And then you got the, your Mike Todd's, um, who's a prominent black megachurch pastor right now. Mm-hmm very active on like social media and stuff. Like, um, yeah. I don't know. And I don't wish I in no way wish anything negative on any of them, but the, some of the similarities of how the culture comes off. I, I don't know. Like I, I want there to not be any more of those kind of downfalls, especially when it seems like maybe progress racially speaking in these lanes is being made. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I get, worried because of how detrimental that could be overall to to the causes um yeah religious whether it's religiously or just um equity equality wise um yeah I, yeah I, I don't know what what do you think on the big picture like mega church culture with the things i just railed off yeah yeah i mean i see what you're talking about there certainly is a culture there um yeah, I don't know. Uh, I also hope that there would be no more, but I'm confident there will be, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm confident there will be uh, more scandals. Um, unless we, unless we, the people in those cultures take a lesson from um, Mars Hill and the downfall or the trouble that surfaced from, yeah. um, from Hillsong or um, even some things that are going on um, over at... Um, Grace Community Church out in California, uh, around from from Julie Royce uh, Royce report, um, just some lack of um, care for those who are with who, with less power, um, those okay. who who could more easily be abused, um, lack of leadership and caring. I think mm. a lot of it comes down to, to to a lot of what I see is is that, and even along the lines of caring about racial justice or racial oppression um, from a church elder pastoral perspective. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's missing in a lot of spaces. And so in connection with what you're saying, those who do care about it, Maverick City, you know, working with who they work with, you know, I pray for the best for them, that they, you know, walk with the Lord, that Jesus preserves them. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and this is my, my opinion, but how I think two things can be true, but there's also just, I feel like some, there can be reason for self-reflection. And so, for instance, like Maverick City, just one, at least one Grammy, maybe multiple, right? And nice. my reaction is, you know, do do they need to be performing on top of a building, um, you know, decked out like a rock band and having it look like kind of like a rock concert at the mm-hmm. Grammy Awards when they're singing a worship song? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's bad. As yeah. far as like what we're talking about, it does cause me to pause and think, huh, is that is that a good idea? I don't know what's behind that. Like, is that a good idea? But then in the same week, there's a video that surfaces of them, you know, doing prison ministry and just, it looks like, man, it's like a really, really powerful thing that they're doing of sharing the music in, in the prison system. Um, I don't know. Um, I just, I yeah. wanted us to be able to talk about it a little bit. Cause I think culturally, like I can't as much as I'd want to and just have the reaction of like, Oh, well, that's not, that's not me. Um, you know, as, as a Christian who wants to keep speaking up about justice in these circles, I think it's important to not take this opportunity to just remove myself from this. Like this is technically our culture and it's something we need to discuss and not, not duck in my opinion. And I think kind of one of the main things, I mean, you alluded to it a lot that I'll say is like, John Mark, you and I are men and we have certain privileges especially in these circles, for sure. And a common thing through these documentaries or podcasts or articles that come out about abuse in the church, like a common thing is what women have to deal with and how marginalized Mm -hmm. and hurt women are more so than anyone else in these spaces. Yeah. And so just, yeah, I don't know. Shout out sounds like it's too um, playful, but like, I just want to put that out there of like, we we're talking about all this, but man, just like we got to do better for so many reasons, but of how we care yeah. for the marginalized and more often than not, women are the ones that are taking that are the butt of all this, this abuse yeah. and it doesn't come out yeah. until it's too late in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah. I, I throw the racial element in there black and brown women I think are probably even farther down the line um, of the ones that take, take the brunt of a lot of this. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love it if we could find a woman to come on and and speak to this aspect of culture. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause we see it. We, I mean, you and I, like we see, we see you, we see what's happening. We don't, we're not the ones to speak to it necessarily. So. um, Absolutely. Yeah. But I'd love it if we could address, address in the future. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back with a little bit more. Sounds good. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow the hashtag racially speaking pod as well as the accounts dmfipsy and walker.johnmark on Instagram and Twitter for more helpful content. 
Now, back to the conversation. All right, John Mark, let's do one more one more segment here. We're still at church, listeners. Um, yeah. Well, kind of. Um, this is more with college, right? Yeah, college, I guess. College church? Christian college. Christian, church college. Co- Christian college, yeah. I was going to say college church isn't a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, John Mark, you and I have gone back and forth a little bit. Um, not on here, but we wanted to talk about um, Jamar Tisby and... Um, First, I'll just preface this by saying he's absolutely a modern day hero of the faith. In my yeah, in my absolutely. opinion, in my opinion, that's not yes. even a like a debatable thing. Yeah. Um. So we 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 love the stuff he's putting out. He's yeah one of, one of my heroes. I know he's one of your heroes. Yeah. You just you yeah, just had the opportunity to meet him recently. I did. I'm just I remembering that hand. now. Okay. I shook his hand. Uh yeah, so um, he came to Richmond. Uh, I think it was uh, First Baptist brought him in to because they read his book together as a church, and uh, he spoke to a local pastors, clergy, and because I'm in I'm in campus ministry, I was able to sneak in there, and yeah. um, I sat at one table away from him. He got up, he spoke. It was very encouraging. He he always points me to following Christ. He always points to following Christ. He always uses scripture. Um, and, uh, but then he also challenges us to pursue justice, uh, because it's on God's heart. And I think that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's great that he does that. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I follow him. I look up to him. I, I got to shake his hand for like a second. It, it felt amazing. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, I was happy to meet him. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. But I'm glad you got to do that. Yeah, I can't Maybe believe that. I forgot that that happened. Yeah. We just started re-recording. Um, I'm going to um, defer to you for a lot of this, John Mark, but we could talk about um, the work that Jamar Tisby's consistently doing for for hours, but specifically just recently he's been, I, I wouldn't say in the big, big picture news, but in our news and is taking some flack for a talk he gave at Grove City College in, I think it's Pennsylvania, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. In Pennsylvania. Um, He was asked to come speak there in 2020. Oh, okay. Invited in 2019, spoke in 2020, and now Grove City is essentially saying, not essentially, but literally said it was a mistake to have him come speak to their students in chapel citing reasons like woke culture, um, CRT advocate and so forth. Um, so as you can imagine, we have some thoughts on this. Um, so let's start there. That's kind of the broad summary of what has just recently happened. And he's also put some stuff out personally and personally responded to it. Um, so John Mark start, get the ball, get the ball rolling here. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on it. So there's a, there's an article, I think, is it also on Christianity today? Where did I, where did I get the article? But, um, there's an article about it where, so people can read it themselves and, and hear the report and, yeah, I gotta pull and see what happened. What I, um, what I appreciated was just the chapel that he gave. 
because so he was invited to speak at a chat at a chapel. So all the students were in attendance. Um, and he spoke from the book of Esther about lessons that we learn um, that we can apply today in, in caring for about um, racial justice. Right. Um, and he, he highlighted some of the things that went on over the past few years. So just this moment that we're having. Um, and he, I like how he said it. Police brutality against black people is the tip of the spear of this uh, civil rights movement that we're in the middle of. Yeah. Um, but it's not the only thing. That's just the thing that was uh, most pointed and, and most prominent in, in culture. So he talked about George Floyd. He talked about Ahmaud Arbery. He talked about the man who was bird watching in uh, New York who had the police yeah. called on him. Um, he addressed all those things. But then he also used the verse from Esther to talk about for such a time as this, where uh, Esther's uncle, Mordecai, is is inviting her, encouraging her to uh, ask the queen to go before the king and stand in, in a place of her people and say, hey, you're going to you're going to kill my people. Right. Um, yeah. And so his, his charge to the students and to us, anyone who listens to it, is to um, see how God would use us to pursue justice. Yeah. Right. And so he preached he preached in the style that is more. Uh, black church than it is white yeah. college, right? But it was very much a uh, a preaching. It was very much a, a a sermon that you could hear on a Sunday, um, yeah. and so I think it was appropriate for the chapel. But but there is a cultural clash that happened, and those who um, respond to conversations about racial justice in a negative way, those who have all the pushback, those who um, who label CRT just like those uh, during slavery days label people as ab- abolitionists negative, yeah. negatively. Um, those who are following that line of history, that through line um, in that camp came after him and, and really put pressure on Grove. I think they're, um, the leadership of Grove uh, put their tail between their legs and didn't stand up for yep. making a good decision to have him. Um, so, so I think that's what's happening. One of the lines that stood out to me the most in his talk was, uh, he said to these college students, he said, the way that you respond now to this moment is the way that you would have responded to Dr. King. Yeah, very powerful. And then he went on to talk about to use primarily Dr. King as an illustration. And then he gets all this pushback. So it's it's as if they are responding <laughs> just like they would have in the 60s. Just like, you know, it's they they literally responding the way he said that it, what they made true his statement. I guess they're an example yeah. of the statement that he said. And the, the way that you are responding to this is the way you would have responded to Dr. King. A real case in so point. So not, not that much has changed. Yeah. yeah. So um, I I think his talk was great. It's 20-something 20, 20 minutes. Very short. I recommend. It's it's online. I recommend people go listen to it. Yeah, very yeah. short. Yeah, I think. And so to back up, just to give everyone context, Grove City College, roughly, I think it was about 3,000-ish Students overall, mm-hmm. very small in very Pennsylvania, small, yeah. Christian college. Um, is that a chapel service? I watched the whole mm-hmm. talk and read this whole article. Um, I mm-hmm. wish I wanted so badly for the camera to show the audience because I wanted to see <laughs> demographics. Yeah, but most of all, I wanted to see their yeah. reactions because at the end they clapped. And you could hear some like oohs and ahs while he was preaching. Yeah. But I really yeah. just wanted to see how much of a, how much of a limb he was out on. Um, yeah. cause it's just, you know, it's on him the whole time. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are, what are people's reactions right now? Cause I think that matters because of what's happening now with the pushback from leadership. I was like, what, what did the students, were the students on board with this talk? Or were they sitting there yeah. uncomfortable? You know, I don't know. I'm sure it was a very uncomfortable room, but, yeah. um, 
from the sound of it, the pushback came later, like yeah, uh, like a, a long time later from alumni and parents, mm-hmm. not students, yeah. which is wild to think about. Like, right? <laughs> That's what I gathered. You're, you're a college student, and your That's mom what... is complaining. Like, yeah. the, you're the one who's supposed to be in this institution learning, not your mom. Like, you know, leave yeah. your mom behind. If you have a problem, bring it forward. Not this your is mom. already happening you know? <laughs> in secondary education. I didn't. You know, it's troubling to see it trickle all the way up to yeah, the college yeah. level. Ta- I mean, talk about coddling our children, right? Yeah. And to be to not be able to be adults, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I highlighted highlighted a bunch um, that I think I highlighted, or that was from the talk that you said, but that he called out people that would have reacted the same back in the '60s. I think it's worth saying, also important context to know that this is 2020. Fresh off of um, George Floyd, Armand Aubrey, like he mm-hmm. wasn't reaching back a couple years to talk yeah. about them. Like this has just happened, um, and it, it's fresh. And that's I think that adds to his. If you go back and watch his fire, as he's yeah. as he's preaching, him just being extremely animated because he's living in what he's he's practicing what he's preaching. The urgency. There's an urgency of now. That's kind of been his yes, his yeah. mantra over the last few years. This is like right now. There's an urgency of now, and brings in Esther of for such a time as this, the biblical yes. story. Yeah. yeah, we can't wait. Like maybe this is the time that you were meant to live in and speak into. And yeah, I think that just in is a perfect example of why he was there doing this. Because I've got to imagine that. He well, actually, I, I would assume this is true, but he probably wasn't necessarily sure of how much of what would happen, like of what support mm-hmm. he even had. And I wanted mm-hmm. to even shed light on that because he's obviously he's, he's huge. He's on a much bigger stages than you know anything we can relate to. But I am just increasingly sad because this isn't the first time something like this has happened to him. Mm-hmm. But of just what, how I know how frustrating and even lonely at times it can be to do something like what he did to experience like this isn't just like disagreement a little bit like he's experiencing complete betrayal. Um, Like they're calling him a mistake to have him come. Yes. 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 And just doing everything they can to label him as something that he's not. And um, with the CRT stuff um, or a progress, I don't know, progressive woke culture, essentially. And this Mm -hmm. is a, uh, Christian college, you know, anti-Orthodox um, beliefs. And they're doing all that to appease people complaining about him talking about race too much and justice. And it ties into stuff we've talked about here yeah. with comfortability and kind of just making things as palatable as they can for majority culture in these settings, yes. which is yeah. literally That's well what said. is perpetuated these conversations continuing to happen. Like it's the, the tension is palpable in those situations because he's literally talking about, you know, Dr. King and talking about these phenomenon happening and it's happening in the room as he's speaking. And then now, now with the pushback, yeah. it's a, that's what he's yeah. experiencing. Like I've seen a lot of people even use um, Dr. King against him and saying like, he, because of the, I have a dream speech, like he imagined yeah. little kids, you know, only judging each other based on um, character, the not, of the character. Yeah, the content of their character. 
So he yeah. would he would not like what you're doing. Like telling Jamar Tisby that and him being like <laughs> yeah. literally and case they, in but, point. Yeah. 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 And he can't take I, I love he used that speech and he didn't take yes. it out of context. Yes. Right. He didn't just isolate that quote. But if you look at that whole speech, you're not gonna like what Dr. King has to say. Yeah. But I mean, then that's just the one speech. If you look at his whole um ministry and life and the movement, uh you're absolutely are not going to like what he has to say if you think that the if you boil down his his stance to that one yeah. one quote. Um, but yeah, I like I I like what you're saying and how and in, in considering the broader culture um, that invited him in to it, uh, mm. I think of some other examples. Like I'm impressed that Grove hasn't taken it down. Like so often, what happens is um, yeah. they get their public relations people and they're like, all right, yeah. number one, we take the video off. So that, you know, we hide the evidence, we, we minimize, we minimize damages, right? Um, and I've seen that happen with uh, Kim Nguyen at, um, I think it was the Sparrow Conference in like 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, 2017, um, or maybe it was 2019, um, I think uh, there was a conference where um, Latasha Morrison spoke. And uh, the other speakers are still up. But, she, but her talk is not up anymore. Mm. And um, same thing with um, propaganda, right? He he had a small talk. You can't find that online. Okay. And so what happens is, is when we have these uh, black speakers come in and speak about hard truths and put a challenging way before a white audience, um, often the response is to, uh, it was like, oh, we didn't like that. Let's uh, let's hide it. Let's take it yeah. down. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that it's still available to watch, to hear. Um, so it's still online in the archives of Grove city college, um, yeah. chap- chapels. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's certainly something that they do is they try to minimize. And I see a lot of that happening with, with Grove city, minimize the damages after there's a significant amount of, of vitriol, vitriolic pushback. Right. Yeah. It's also worth noting, like, as I said, he's got a much bigger platform. I know has got great support and great community, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that this isn't traumatic for him to go to mm-hmm. or f- mm-hmm. to go through. Mm-hmm. We can relate you and I on a smaller, much smaller scale, but this is just a snippet into why it is. Um, I think a lot of people of color who speak up about this kind of stuff, there is this um, not defensiveness, but prote- self protectiveness of not exactly knowing how to do that all the time and being, yeah. being, um, I, I can't think of resistant or just not knowing who to trust. And I can imagine that Jamar Tisby right now is, is going through that. You know, he's going to have this experience, take this with him now for yeah. professional, even when yeah. asked to, it'll be harder now for people to get him to speak in these kind of spaces because of this experience, I would imagine yeah. because out of self-protection, he's going to associate this with, well, is this going to be another Grove city experience. And so that's why, um, I, I would want, you know, our, our friends in white culture to understand this dynamic of where pain can even come from. Um, cause I know Mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, white people seeking these conversations wanted to feel as comfortable as possible Mm -hmm. and us just to hear each other out and to be treated as individuals and, start with a blank slate, which I just want people to know that that is kind of impossible because of stuff like this. Um, knowing the pain that, um, we've experienced behind closed doors and, and publicly, especially behind 
closed doors, just knowing um, that people would just be more aware that that is a thing. And it's unreasonable to think that we're going to come to these conversations just with rose-colored glasses, believing that history is not going to continue to repeat itself. Um, we, yeah. can be, we can be hopeful, but when stuff like this keeps coming, coming out, um, and these are the experiences of leaders in these conversations, you know, what, what would we expect from littler people like, <laughs> like you and I, um, so yeah. yeah. Just... So I, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, some, to give some, some practical advice, uh, how would you, how would you advise someone how to care for Jamar Tisby or you and me or any black or brown person who cares about racial justice, speaks about it, and then receives pushback for it. So how would you advise our, our white friends, um, white friends of black and brown people to uh, care for their friends when they receive this type of pushback? So this is after pushback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think in an ideal world, somebody from Grove City um, would reach out somebody with power Mm -hmm. would reach out and be an ally. And Mm -hmm. you and I have talked about what we think being an ally means. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can have different opinions about it. But I think to me, a non-negotiable for an ally is that you are just in lockstep with the people that you're claiming to be an ally for. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you agree with every single thing they say. Mm-hmm. and pat them on the back and are just a yes man for them. Like yeah. that's not people, I think, think that that's what we mean sometimes and that's not what we mean. Yeah, yeah, right. Like we need to be on equal playing field though and mm-hmm. have real conversations that we can have the freedom to be wrong in. And all that to say, I'm not saying Jamar Tisby is wrong at all. Um, in this instance, I'm saying that ideally somebody in power from Grove City would say, hey, I'm sorry this is happening we are wrong and this is what I'm doing about it. And that can be, that can take different forms, but I think something that would, for me personally, would go a long way would be if I was in that situation, not for this to happen to Jamar Tisby, but for to know that whoever that leader is, is having a meeting and is at least putting his or her best foot forward, Mm -hmm. advocating for, the injustice that Jamar Tisby is experiencing in this incident. Yeah. Um, calling together the board or whoever, I don't know, the presidents and president sitting down and saying like, Hey, we're wrong for this. Knowing that they may get pushback and probably will. But to me, that does a couple of things that shows that they care, but it also shows that they're willing to sacrifice something. Um, Cause that takes some guts to do. Yeah. Um, they're sacrificing relationship. They might be sacrificing, um, well-being, um, vocationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that can be legitimate reasons to not do something, but solidarity and allyship to me, that's the forms it takes because it, it takes risking something for something you think is right. Yeah. Because the flip side, think about Jamar Tisby. He's suffering vocationally as well and emotionally and yeah. personally yes. by enduring all of this. So, to have it, to have, you know, someone not want to risk that for this, I would, I won't blame them necessarily, but I won't call them an ally 
if you're not willing to do certain things. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No, I think that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's some good, that's some good practical, a practical picture of how to respond to this. I think that's helpful. To me, going to uh, leadership, uh, sorry, to me, going to leadership or especially if you're a leader is and would be, it's gotta be some form of that. Like that's where I think the action needs to take place. It can't just be a phone call from somebody that works at the university and is just a personal right. one-on-one level. That would right. mean, that right. would mean next to nothing for me. Not um, just, not just the one black professor. Right? Yeah. Group, it shouldn't know, be, Hey be, man, like that was yeah. really, that was really good. Yeah. I don't agree with the pushback and have it be that like, that's, that's in the grand scheme of things, nothing. Yeah. Especially yeah, for fair. something like Tisby. Yeah. I would also say, um, I mean, for, for those who want to be friends to black and brown people, for those who want to be allies, I would say, um, when it comes up in your circles, when it comes up, when there's nobody of color around you, say something, yeah. speak out, you know, um, don't take our word for these things. Don't just read an article, but actually you know, get to the, listen to Jamar Tisby's own account, listen to his, uh, his, his chapel and, and see for yourself if uh, the allegations are true. Um, see for yourself if it's off or, or as I see it, it is honoring of God. He did a great job with the passage and a great encouragement to pursue justice yeah. in a Christ-like way. Um, but yeah, honestly, like we, we, those conversations don't pop up when we're around it. Those criti- criticizing conversations of uh, people who are pursuing justice don't pop up when you're when you're in a room with your white friends or when I'm in a room. And and for for those who love us, um, for, or for those who love black and brown people, like be the voice that shuts those conversations down or um, changes them and puts them in a better direction. Um, right. I think that's a picture of allyship too. I think yeah. there's, even from this article, I was just um, skimming it again of stuff I highlighted, but some of the paradox here is a lot of times justice seekers, when they bring up justice, they're labeled as the ones being divisive, but I think this article paints that in a, or talks about this in a helpful way. Um, Earlier in the article, Jamar Tisby says that organizations like Grove City are using CRT, critical race theory, as a type of a a junk drawer um, Mm -hmm. for anything that has to do with race or Mm -hmm. justice. And and, and he's shedding light on how that's just completely hypocritical and disingenuine because Mm -hmm. literally they're labeling him as something he's not. He's not, and he says, he goes on to say, I'm not, I'm just not that. I'm not a critical race theorist. I haven't been trained. There's experts yeah. that are critical race theorists. I'm not that. We're using yeah. this as, like he says, a junk drawer to just label everything so that we can keep conversations like this from from continuing. And then yeah. later he says, speaking of you know who is actually being divisive, if you create an environment where people are um, constantly afraid for their job and are afraid something they might say could be interpreted as CRT because everybody is interpreting CRT in very different ways, they are creating a culture where people aren't going to be able to have hard conversations, which is absolutely what's happening here yeah. at Grove City and in so many other spaces. When really, yeah, we, just, we just want to, hopefully we're modeling that on here, but um, we want to have conversations and we want to have conversations that seemingly we're not welcome to have in a lot of spaces like this. Yeah, um, We're not asked to be, to just have listeners in an audience that say, yep, you're right about everything. Cause we're not right. Yeah. I don't think we're right about everything. Unless, yeah, no, definitely right about not. <laughs> I'm sure I've said stuff wrong just in the past hour. So <laughs> right. yeah, no, definitely not. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so those That's are, well I mean, some of the cultural things that I think we just, we want to be diligent to push back on um, in our conversations on here. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. You got anything else to add here? Yeah. No, uh, no, I don't, but I'm sure more, we will share more about Jamar Tisby as it comes. Absolutely. Um, Cause he, I mean, I'll point people to him. Uh, his books, the color of compromise. Um, I, I highly recommend how to fight racism is, is practically helpful. Um, yeah. I just, you know, look up his stuff and see if it benefits you. That's, that's all I got to say. Right. I haven't read How to Fight Racism, but I do think he's put out a version that's good to help talk to your kids about racism. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't, Recently, I haven't read yeah. that, but Color Compromise, highly, highly recommend. Um, yeah. It's essentially a survey of history. History. Um, and it goes all the way up to now-ish, 2020, I guess. Right. Um, right. Ex- extremely, extremely helpful, helpful book. Yeah, he does a good job in the book. Yeah. All right, John Mark, we got to get out of here. Thank you for potting with me, as always. Um, listeners, thank you for listening. Um, the music you're listening to was done by our good friend, Dylan Dent. Our artwork was created by the also great Ashley Bush. And we will see you guys next time. The nightmare might scare you, no worse than reality. They hunt you by day, y'all rob me of my Arbery. Everybody got a time, but that's less than comforting. I hope I'm alive by the time they choose to comfort me. Mosquitoes in the vein, or leeches on my soul. This money on my mind is a fracture of my bones. You get crippled by continuing existence like a ghost. And they wonder why we drink, and they wonder why we smoke. And they wonder why we think that everything's a joke. I'm shocked that we can sleep, must be the thought of letting go. Now I lay me down to see if I'm better with the valley. Now I lay me down to see if I'm better with the valley. Now I lay me down to see if I'm better with the valley.